Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. I love this place. There's really a lot of, if these walls could talk, they'd have a lot of stories to tell about the school years here. Now this building obviously has been repurposed into a place that the church gathers. The building is not the church. You are. We're the church, and we gather in the name of Jesus Christ. We're so, so glad you're here. Thank you for being with us. Week three of What If. We're looking at what in the world would happen if we really truly believe God. Somebody wrote me last week and said, hey, I was having a hard time facing some problems in my life, and then I remembered the message that I can just believe God in every situation. Listen, if we really believe what God says, it can change our lives. So we're glad you're here with us for week three of this. I want to say congratulations to Lindsay and Drew Ward on the birth of their child this week, Canaan. Give it up for Lindsay and Drew. I'm sure they're probably not here today. Are they here? Are they? Oh, my goodness. Just had a baby a few days ago. And those of you who are watching from home, what's your excuse? This lady just had a baby and she's here. Congratulations, guys. Seriously, though, if you're homesick, uh, we, we miss you. We're sorry that you can't be there here with us, but we, we're glad that you can watch it online at some time in your life uh, this week. Hopefully, we pray that that will happen. Also, last week, uh, Leslie and Gabe... Had a little Tucker. We announced that to you last week. They're home watching uh, whenever it's available online. They're going to be watching it there. But we just thank God for what's happening. Listen, pray for the 832 people that perished in Indonesia this week and all their families. My goodness. You know, that thank God that even though we had a hurricane recently, there were very few fatalities. And we pray for those families as well. I think there was about 15 or 17 fatalities with that. But for the people in Indonesia... Our hearts are with them, Lord. We lift those people before you right now. We pray for your church to minister to them wherever they are, to these families who are, lo- who are grieving the loss of loved ones. Week one was our whole life should be about faith, and that's the only way to please God. Last week we talked about worshiping by faith, that all of our life should be about worship. Today we're going to talk about walking by faith. Let me ask you a question. With whom are you walking And where are you headed? With whom are you walking and in what direction are you going? Because whatever direction you're heading in and the people with whom you're walking, it's going to determine your destiny. So it's really, really important to think about this question, with whom am I walking? And in what direction am I heading with those people? With whom am I walking? Now, really want to just put it to you straight. You want to hear it straight this morning? Raise your hand. Listen, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, and I believe he proved that without a shadow of a doubt, he conquered all kinds of diseases and sickness and raised the dead, predicted his own death, burial and resurrection, and pulled it off three days later, and he promised he's coming back. Listen, we've got to stop playing games, church. If Jesus is who he claims to be, then every day we need to walk with Jesus. If he's not, if you've decided he's not, and by the way, what you've decided doesn't change the facts or the reality, but if you've decided he's not, don't pretend that you're a Jesus follower. But if he's who he claims to be, and there's no middle ground, by the way, a lot of people think, well, Jesus was a great man. He was a great rabbi. He taught lots of good things, but he he wasn't God. Okay, so either he was a liar 
about who he was. He was a lunatic. He was crazy and he thought he was God. Or I believe based upon his life and the witness of uh, the testimony of many eyewitnesses that Jesus was the Lord he said he was and he conquered death. And we have no middle ground here, folks. Either we're going to walk with him every day or we're going to walk in the opposite direction. You need to decide. And jo- we talked about fighting battles. I've been reading through uh, the Old Testament and uh, Joshua fought a lot of battles. And he said to the people, choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I made that decision years ago when Christ saved me. I didn't save myself. He saved me. He chose me. He called me to himself. He put his Holy Spirit in me. He transformed my life. And I've been walking with him ever since. Not perfect, Stumbled along the way, but walking with Jesus. Listen, there's no middle ground. You've got to stop playing games. If you're going to follow Jesus, follow Jesus. Be a Jesus follower. But if you're not, you've got to realize you're going in the wrong direction. A.W. Tozer said this, The goal of every Christian is to live in a state of unbroken worship. If you read through the Old Testament, you read like people like Jeremiah, who was the weeping prophet. People who were put in cisterns under the ground, imprisoned in a damp, dark, dank environment for years and still held true to the name of Jesus. What's our excuse? The goal of every Christian is in the un, to live in an unbroken state of worship. Is that true of me? Is that true of your life? The only way that this is even possible is what we're talking about. The only way this is possible is when we walk with God. The only way we can worship God constantly, and no matter what battles we're facing or what walls are around us in our environment, if we're walking with God, we can live in a state of victory and unbroken worship, and it will change and transform the trajectory of our life the direction of our life. Adam and Eve walked with the garden. Just tracing back, uh, Enoch was just the seventh generation from the very first people that God created. And they were brilliant people. They weren't some sort of people that couldn't talk and had no vocabulary. They were brilliant people. From day one, the human human race was created by God to be brilliant and to to walk with God. And they walked with God in the garden for a while and then they, they turned in a different direction. Instead of walking towards God, they walked away from God. They tried to become God. That was the temptation that Satan gave them. You can be like God yourself. And they walked away. Jesus' followers today follow Jesus. If you're not following Jesus, if you're not walking with Jesus, don't call yourself a Christian. If you're not walking with Jesus, don't call yourself a Jesus follower. Because Jesus' followers follow Jesus. Now, the question we're answering this morning is this. What if I walked with God every day of my life? What would that look like? How would it change my attitude? How would it change my outlook on life? How would it change the words that I speak and the way that I treat my family and my wife and my friends? How would it impact me if I walk with God every day? So we're going to be in Hebrews 11. Those of you just joining us, we're in Hebrews 11 now for a couple of months. We're doing a character study of these people who are average, ordinary people like you and me. They put their clothes on the same way we do. They have the same struggles we do. But they, they all had one thing in common, and that is that they believed God. 
And they walked with God, and God did great things through them. And so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, we pick up our reading this morning. Hebrews 11, verse 5, by faith, Enoch. How many of you have never heard of Enoch? Raise your hand. It's kind of an odd name. It's not one of the famous people in the Bible. But by faith, Enoch, like the seventh generation down from Adam, he was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. So Enoch was a man who pleased God because he believed God. In fact, you might want to write that down. To please God, you simply believe God. And because you believe God, God produces works in your life that keep you on the trajectory, on the trail to walk with God. If you, if you want to please God, simply believe God. Enoch, the Bible says, in Genesis, he walked with God and God took him. Here it says he was taken up. This is a picture of the rapture. By the way, it scares a lot of people when you talk about the rapture. I believe that everything in the Bible is accurate 100%. We believe that. We trust the Bible. We trust that God has given us the book to reveal his character to us. We believe the Bible. And the Bible says that Jesus could come in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the clouds in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It could happen just that quickly. Would you be caught up? Or would you be left behind? Now, Enoch is a picture of those who are walking by faith and that one day the rapture will take place and call us out. So this was an Old Testament foreshadowing, a picture in the Old Testament of what was come. And the Bible says clearly what it was about Enoch, like all the people in Hebrews 11, that pleased God. It says in the last part of verse 6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. You want to please him? Believe him. You want to please him? Believe him. So would you write this down this morning as we talk about four things that are true of people who imagine what it could be like if they walk with God every day. Number one, walk with, when I, I walk with God when he is my confidence. You can just make a statement. I, I walk with God when I, and then put an ellipsis, three dots, and then you can put four points into that as we go through the message this morning. I walk with God when he is my confidence. In other words, when I trust him. I trust God because he's trustworthy. God has never lied. God cannot lie. It's impossible in his character to lie. So if you've been disappointed by God, you believe something about God that he didn't say or that he didn't promise. You believe something that you've made and created in your mind because God never disappoints. God never lies. I walk with him and I walk with God when he is my confidence. Do you trust him for everything? I know everybody here has been through difficult things. And I know there are some people that seem to teach this uh, mantra that if you walk with Jesus, that life will be sweet and everything will be perfect and there will be no problems and you'll have all the riches that you could possibly have. The Bible just doesn't teach that or give that as an example. The people who followed Jesus suffered many days in their life. So don't think God's picking on you when trouble comes into your life. Jesus said, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. 
I have overcome the world. This is how I fight my battles, right? I fight my battles by trusting God in the midst of difficult circumstances. So I walk with God when he is my confidence. The Bible, the scripture writer said this, in the flesh, in my body, I have no confidence. In my flesh, I am weak. How many of you have ever messed up as a Christian? Raise your hand. We are weak. Our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our leaders completely. We have to trust them because God's put them before us. But we trust them because he has appointed them for us. And our only measure of real confidence can come from trusting the God who is trustworthy. Let me ask you just a pointed question right now. What is it in your life right now? What circumstance in your life or person in your life, challenge in your life, battle in your life right now are you not trusting God with? Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe you really have trouble resting in God. I walk with him when I put my confidence in him, when he is my confidence. Let's look at another one. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the last part says this. So he's our confidence. We trust him. We put faith in him. But Hebrews eleven six says we do more than that. Whoever would draw near to God, you want to be near God? I know some people are afraid of that. And that might be you. That might be somebody listening online. I don't know. You know, I read the Bible and I see some of the things God did. And I'm, not, I'm not sure that I am trusting him. I'm not sure that I have confidence in him. Well, he says he invites us through Jesus to draw near. We're going to do that this morning in communion. You need to be thinking about how you need to walk, turn your life back in the direction of Christ and walk with him this morning because that's what communion is all about. Hebrews 11.6, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That he exists, we believe that he exists, but we also have absolute confidence that he rewards those who seek him. Now, he rewards those who trust in him by faith, by the grace of God through faith, that Jesus died for your sins and was buried and rose again. The greatest reward that God gives us who trust him is salvation. Taking us out of the flames of hell and taking us out of a relationship that is estranged and far from God and bringing us back to draw near to him. That's the greatest thing that God can ever do for you. And if you've never trusted him for your salvation, today is the day of salvation. He rewards those who seek him. Listen, God gives us some good things on this earth. The Bible says he gives us Rain that replenishes the earth and he lets it fall on the just and the unjust that every good and every perfect gift comes down from God. And even though this creation is broken and bruised and sinful, if you've been listening to the news at all this week, the disgusting things that people talk about and the way they treat each other and handle each other and accuse and accept accusation without even any evidence or whatever. This is a broken world. But listen, there are good things in this world and we get some stuff in this world. We get things like grandbabies, babies that are born into our families. And we get good stuff. We get good food. I enjoy good food. I enjoyed this weekend with my folks and hanging out with them even though uh, they're really suffering at this point in their life. God gives us good things on this earth. But listen, you need to understand this. If you're a Jesus follower, if you're walking with him, you're going to have hard things. You're going to have good things. 
But your real reward is yet to come. It's in heaven. With him forever. And you might not feel like you're being rewarded here adequately. People overlook what you do as a mother. Changing those dirty diapers. Feeding that baby in the middle of the night. Uh, mowing the yard. Doing a job that nobody in the world has really ever thanked you for and recognized you for. Serving in the church and somebody overlooks you because they're human and they didn't thank you. Listen, God is keeping a record and our reward is yet to come. Our reward is yet to come. However good this earth can be, it's nothing compared to the reward that is to come. So he rewards those who seek. In Matthew 6, 33, I memorized way back in college, it says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, all these things in the passage is food, shelter, clothing, all the things that we really need. He didn't promise that he's going to give us everything that we desire. He promised he's going to give us everything we need. And in heaven, far beyond the Bible says what we can even think or imagine. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So I walk with God when he's my confidence. Secondly, I walk with God when he is my reward. Now, there's a sense that he's going to give us rewards. and There's going to be crowns in heaven, which has to do with serving God in heaven, uh, which is commensurate or in line with how we've served him on the earth. We'll be rewarded accordingly in heaven. There's not going to be the sense of competition in heaven, but there's going to be the sense of reward in heaven. But you need to understand this. The greatest thing about heaven, the greatest reward in heaven is Jesus. Amen? We're going to see him. We're going to be with him. The, the hands that took our nails, the, the spear that, the side that took our spear, the, the, the brow that took our thorns, we're going to see him, we're going to follow at his feet, and we're going to say, thank you. Heaven is all about Jesus. He is my reward. Now, I'm going to read you a passage. If you have your Bible, you can keep your finger in Hebrews 11. But Genesis chapter 5, we go back to the passage of primary reference. In other words, the first time we hear about Enoch is in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. So while you're turning there, I'm going to give you a riddle. Who is the oldest recorded living human being on the face of the planet? And yet, he died before his father. Hmm. That's kind of strange, isn't it? Somebody might have answered correctly. I couldn't really hear. Let's look at the passage. The oldest recorded human being, and yet he died before his father. We read this in Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch, our character for today, had lived 65 years. So in our economy today, that's when you retire, right? or at least retread. When he was 65 years old, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now, if you, I didn't put it on the screen this morning, but if you read down a little bit further, it tells you about the life of his son, Methuselah. So Enoch was walking with God, and he was 365 years old, and he was just out enjoying God so much and talking with him. By the way, by faith, he didn't see him like we don't see him. 
Enoch was walking with God by faith and talking to him every day. And his life trajectory was in the direction of God. And he had a relationship with God. And one day he was enjoying God and God was enjoying him so much. God said, Enoch, just come on up to heaven. Come on and hang out with me. I, I'm going to let you bypass. I'm going to give you a get-out-of-jail-free card with death, and I'm going to let you off the hook, and you're going to come on to heaven with me. And that's going to happen to all of us one day, whether we go through death or through the rapture. We're going to be with Jesus. Amen? Enoch walked with God, and one day God just said, Come on and be with me. I want you to come on home. But the next verse says, Methuselah, his son, lived to be 969 years old. Now, yesterday, I was with my mom in Bojangles. She goes in Bojangles whenever she's up to it, and thank God she felt like it this weekend a couple days in a row. I took her to Bojangles, and she sits with the old people. My mom's 81, and my mom's kind of decrepit now because she's got all kinds of nerve issues and sciatic problems. She stumbles when she walks, almost like a, a drunken sailor. She really She's struggling, but she's never touched alcohol in her life. So I always joke with her, Mom, you've got to stop this drinking. All right, so she gets up to go to the bathroom, and, and I walk with her because she's stumbling around. I said, Mom, come on, I'll walk you to the bathroom. Well, I get back, this 90-year-old, my mom's 81, this 90-year-old lady says, I'm going to go in there with her, and I'll help her back because the door is real heavy. So a 90-year-old was helping my 81-year-old mama. But they were babies compared to these people. And when I was telling the lady about the message, uh, the 90-year-old, who I believe knows Jesus, talked to her about him, she said this. She said, what you're saying right now, I don't understand that. Isn't that a fairy tale or something? Like, how in the world do people live to be of such great age? And the Bible gives a very genealogically accurate record of people who lived uh, to be in excess of 900 years old. Many people, not just a few I believe everything in the Bible. I trust it. Scientists explain it this way. Scientists who believe Jesus. It's the only explanation that I know of, and it sounds perfectly logical. The Bible says, and we're going to study Noah next week, okay? But here's the answer to the longevity of some people. The Bible says that before the flood, that it had never rained on the face of the earth, but a mist came up and watered the earth. And what scientists believe as we study the Bible and we study uh, what happened in Genesis and the Genesis flood, which explains so many things about the age of the earth, the apparent age of the earth, and all those things, and why we have places like the Grand Canyon. The The Colorado River did not cut the Grand Canyon. The flood of Noah did, okay? But here's what happened. There was a, a sphere surrounding the earth that created this tropical climate it protected here's the key it protected the earth from the ultraviolet rays of the sun because in genesis it says that all the waters that were above this water canopy that surrounded the earth were broken up in the noah flood and all the waters that were under the earth catapulted out in volcanic eruptions and seismic eruptions and volcanoes and the whole earth convulsed And this canopy that was around the earth broke in. And scientists even today will say that, hey, well, you and I have the same shoes. Squirrel! Sorry. Those are cool. I really like them. They're really nice. Okay, so anyway, this canopy broke up. And now the earth is exposed to the ultraviolet rays of the sun. 
Not only that, but the canopy produces paradise climate, this tropical climate that allowed the oxygen to be richer. How did people get high in the Old Testament? They just breathed. They breathed in and the oxygen was so rich, it was healthy and their brains were transformed. They, they were just so much more alert, I believe, than ours are today. People got bigger. The dinosaurs existed with man. Yes, God says they were all created within a day of each other, a few days of each other. The dinosaurs existed with man. What happened? When the canopy broke up and the, wa- the water that protected the earth came down, the plant life shrunk. The oxygen level shrunk. So the two dinosaurs that were on the ark with Noah, they didn't have a whole lot of success in continuing their species after the flood. The Bible explains so many things. That's just an aside. There's no extra charge for that, okay? But if you ever wonder why people in the Bible live so long, that's why. After the flood, immediately lifespans began to decrease, just like God said that they would. And he said that the average lifespan after the flood would be 70 years, give or take. All right. So I'm going to walk with God when he's my confidence. I'm going to walk with God when he's my reward. People lived a long time, and they walked with God a long time. Enoch walked with God for 300 years. By the way, the oldest man that ever lived, Methuselah, these guys were just before the flood, preached all these years like Noah did, about the coming judgment, and yet only his family believed. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says this, We walk by faith, not by sight. We said a couple of weeks ago, whatever you believe about how the uh, matter came to, into being, you're going to believe it by faith. Nobody was there. It's not scientific. It's not repeatable. It's not observable. What happened You have to believe it by faith. Well, I believe by faith, and we walk by faith, not by sight. And if we want to please God and we want to walk with God, we're going to walk by faith, not by sight. And Hebrews 10, 22 says this. Just a few minutes, we're going to do this. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We are invited by the God of the universe to walk with him, to draw near to him, in faith. Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says this, as we think about walking with God and with whom we're walking determines the course and trajectory of our life. Amos 3 3 says, do two walk together unless they've agreed to meet. Now obviously you can, you can hang out with people, you can walk together, but walking with implies more than just being together and hanging out. I've been to a lot of famous sites around the world in different places and different continents. I've walked where a lot of people have walked. I walked up to some famous people and talked to them. Nelson Mandela, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, Sugar Ray Leonard. I've met a few famous people in the world. I didn't walk with them. You can only walk with a few people in your life that you're really in sync with and agreed with. And Amos asked the question, how can two people walk together unless they're agreed? So in light of that and what we're thinking and how our thinking works and propels us in a direction, would you write this down as a quote? I want you to think about this all week. My life always goes in the direction of my strongest thought. Whoa. I'm going to give it to you again. My life always goes in the direction of my strongest thought. What's your strongest thought? What's on your mind a lot? Might be bitterness towards somebody who's wronged you 
And your life is walking in the direction of that bitterness and it's eating you up inside. It might be in the direction of lust and giving in rather than what God says about what should be right. You're giving in to your bodily impulses rather than to the spirit of the God who made you. Your life always goes in the direction of your strongest thought. What happens when you veer off the path? When you, when you see shoes that are just like yours or, or when you see a squirrel or when you're distracted like Adam and Eve from God and you turn a wrong way and you see the wrong thing and you get off the path, what happens? Uh, my daughter Rosie's not here today. I'm thanking God she's been with us the last two Sundays. She's homesick today. But listen, five years ago, uh, I had only arrived here about five and a half years ago. I was living in Tom Bartlett's old house just up the road. And Rosie and I decided to take a hike. Some of you remember seeing the results of that hike. So we're, we, if you go up 421 and you get to the big rock entrance to the Blue Ridge Parkway and you take a right, I forget the name of it, but the very first little hiking trail you go to, you hike down to these waterfalls. Can anybody tell me the name of that trail? Cascade Falls. Thank you. Sorry, shouldn't have had that coffee this morning. <laughs> Did I tell you I like your shoes? Okay. So Cascade Falls. So we're walking. It's an easy walk because I'm not in the best of shape. And we're walking together. And Rosie and I, we hadn't walked together in a long time. We, she had been away. And uh, our, we had been living far apart. And so she was living with us. And I was enjoying this. And we took a walk to Cascade Falls. And all along the way of Cascade Falls, there's these signs that say, please stay on the trail. You've done it too, haven't you? You get off the trail. I got off the trail, and it wasn't dangerous, okay? It wasn't like this precipice that was 300 feet high. I'm walking into this little stream, and I've got my iPhone, and I'm taking pictures of Rosie, and I'm trying to keep my shoes. I didn't have these yet. These are nice shoes. But I, I, I had on different shoes, and I was start, stepping across the street, trying to protect my iPhone, trying to protect my body, and I did the, like, the karate kid thing, you know, the crane technique when, when done properly, no one can defend and I was standing there, and I'm not the most balanced guy, as you can see. And I'm standing there with my foot up like this, and I'm thinking, I'm going to hop to the next rock. I'd gotten off the path. I'd gotten distracted. I broke the rules. I was headed the wrong way, but I was having a good time. So I, I went to leap, and I jumped up. Of course, I have like a 48-inch vertical jump. Okay, maybe four inches. So I left like this, and when I did, the mossy rock that I was standing on went right out from under my feet. And these 250 pounds did a 180, and I face-planted on the rock. And this is what it looked like. Oh, I meant to give you a warning. Don't look at this if you're squeamish, okay? If you've got a problem with pain, don't look. I'm sorry, I meant to give you a warning. Nobody's walking out, so hopefully you're okay. Some of you have seen this picture before. When you get off the path and you walk in the wrong direction, there are consequences. There are consequences. Some of you are walking in the wrong direction. You're not walking with God. You're not walking in the right path. And you think you're escaping and you're having fun and you're doing the crane technique almost perfectly, but you will face consequences for walking away from God because your life always goes in the direction of your strongest thought. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this. Paul, who was a, a persecutor of Christians before he met Jesus, 
God turned his life around, did a complete 180. In Galatians 2.20, here's what Paul says later in his life. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's not about me, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, I live a different life now. I'm on a path that has led me to peace to joy, not pain-free. If you want to read his resume, just read through the books of First and Second Corinthians. You read all the things Paul went through. But he had a transforming encounter with Jesus, and the rest of his life he walked with Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Paul also says, For those whom he foreknew before the earth was created, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God wants you, if you know Jesus... He wants you to be on the path walking with Jesus so that you become like Jesus. Conform to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What does it look like if somebody's walking with Jesus? What, what does it look like if somebody's in fellowship and in sync with Jesus? What does it look like if a person has their confidence fully placed in Jesus? What does it look like if Jesus is their full reward? We find that in Galatians 5.22. Some of you know it as the fruit of the Spirit. Now, just before that, it talks about the works of the flesh. People who don't know Jesus and people who aren't walking with Jesus, these nasty things come out. Adulteries, fornications, uh, planned evil, all kind of greed selfishness, all these things. But here's what a person who's walking with Jesus looks like, Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is produced by God. It's fruit. It's not something you generate. It's something He generates in your life. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, getting personal now, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there's no law. No country anywhere in the world makes laws against these kind of character traits. Verse 24, And those who belong to Christ, a Jesus follower, a person who believes in Jesus and follows him, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And verse 25 is really critical for this today's study. If we live by the Spirit, in other words, we have given, been given life by the Spirit of God who comes inside of every believer at the moment of salvation. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You watch couples that walk together, especially old couples. It was just a few years ago, my mom and dad were walking four or five miles together. And dementia hit my dad, and all of a sudden one day they were just walking around the track, and his legs just started to give way underneath him. But before that, it was cool to watch him. 75-year-old people walking hand in hand, walking around the track, walking around the greenway, just hanging out together, keeping in step. If we live by the Spirit, let's also keep in step with the Spirit. So if I walk with God, He's my confidence. When I walk with God, He's my reward. Thirdly, I walk with God when He is my focus. I walk with God when he is my focus. What are you focused on? What have you brought clearly into focus in your life? Your life always goes in the direction of your strongest thought, what you focus on. I walk with God when he is my focus. I want to be like Jesus. Are you walking? Are you focusing 
on him. And then, lastly, let's look at a few verses. Jude 14, the last, next to the last book of the Bible. It also is about these, that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones. So Enoch, who walked with God, talked about God. Listen, you talk about whatever you're passionate about. We got some newlyweds in the service. Congratulations, guys. I'm so happy for you guys. And I'm sure you've talked about the wedding. You stressed about the wedding. You walked together about the wedding. You walked separate about the wedding sometimes, probably. It was stressful. But listen, you talk about what you're passionate about. If you got money in the stock market, you follow those and you talk about it and you think about it. You're interested in politics. You follow those things. And you, talk about, you talk about what you're passionate about. So Enoch walked with God. He was passionate about God, and he's, he prophesied. He told people everywhere he goes about Jesus. Listen, when's the last time you even invited somebody to church? When's the last time you invited somebody to Jesus? I'm getting bold in my old age. I'm thinking, what can they do? Make me a missionary and send me to Africa? I've already been there, done that. And so I go up to people, and I meet them. Now, this is not the very best way to do it. The best way is to build relationships with people over time, but you don't always have that opportunity. You may never see this person again. So I'll come up to people and say, hey, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your personal Savior? Enoch was passionate about God, so he talked about him because we speak about what we're passionate about, and he prophesied, he told people about Jesus. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, these were followers of Jesus who were just simple fishermen that came to believe in Jesus and followed him and laid down their lives for him. And Acts is a history of the beginning of the church. And it says when they saw the boldness, these people that had tried Peter and John, sort of like the story that uh, Dustin told us about this morning, they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men like me and you. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Can I ask you something? Do people know you're a Christian? If you were to be put on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? If you were to be put on trial for being a Christian, is there enough evidence to convict you? There was for these guys. And even though it meant getting beat, the tar got beat out of them, put in shackles repeatedly, and warned not to speak of Jesus, they could only speak about what they were passionate about. Colossians 1.10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. We do trail life here. Dr. Roberts is our scoutmaster, our troop master. And as we do trail life, our theme verse for the nationwide program is walk worthy. To walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Are you walking worthy? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of his glorious grace, in which he has blessed us in the beloved. In Christ, in the beloved, walking worthy, recognizing that we have been with Jesus. Here's the fourth one. I walk with God when he is my identity. I walk with God when he's my identity. Man, people today find their identity in all kinds of things. Different walks of life, and they identify by their sexual preferences, or they identify by their 
socioeconomic group, or they identify whether they're a Democrat or Republican. And they identify by the neighborhood that they live in or the language that they speak or the tone of their skin. People identify by lots of things. But if you are finding your identity, listen, this is critical. If you're finding your identity in anything other than the God who made you and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you are living on shaky ground. It can be ripped right out from under you any moment. If your identity is anywhere else than in God who made you and in his son, Jesus Christ, because when you come to Christ, he comes inside of you. He transforms you from the inside out and your identity, your full identity is in Jesus Christ. That Ephesians 1, 6 said he says that we are blessed in the beloved. That literally means the beloved one. That's Jesus. Our identity is in Jesus. Micah 6, 8. Here's a verse to memorize. I learned a little song to this verse when I was in high school. It said this. He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee? You want to know what God requires of you? Here he sums it up in three things. But to do justice, we're praying for justice in our nation right now. To do justice, to love kindness, do justice, love kindness, And walk humbly with your God. Are you walking with God? As a next step today, would you write this down? I will walk in a step. I will walk in step with the Spirit every day. That's Galatians 5.25 that we read five minutes ago. I will walk in step with the Spirit. Like a couple that's been together for 60 years of marriage. And they're walking in step. And they're walking in unity. And they're walking in the same direction. The Bible says that the Spirit of God comes inside of every person when they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And he says, I'm going to lead you and guide you in all truth. I'm going to convict you of sin and of righteousness. I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to show you when you go wrong, when you get off the path. I don't want your face bruised up. I don't want your heart full of pain and scars because you've walked away from me so many times. Follow the signs. Stay on the path. I will walk in step with the Spirit every day. We're back to our original question. With whom are you walking? And what direction? In what direction are you headed? With whom are you walking? And in what direction are you headed? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you've never put your faith and trust in Him, a lot of good people, a lot of people like you that come to church, they believe that if they come to church that maybe they can get it God's, on God's good side. Or if they get into a baptistry that maybe that will give them acceptance before God. Or if they give so much money to charity that that will give them on God's good side. The Bible says there's nothing you can do, friend, to get on God's good side. It's all about what Jesus Christ has already done. You can put your faith in him. These people that were studying in the Old Testament, they all had one modus operandi. They had one way of operating. They had one thing that God commended them for, and that was they believed God. You can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ right where you sit or stand, or if you're driving in the car listening to this message or watching it at home, you can put your faith in the one who laid it all down for you. His name is Jesus. Now, what about you, Christian, for just a minute? Which direction are you heading? Are you getting distracted by shoes and squirrels and politics and all these other things that 
are somewhat important, but they're not our focus. My focus, our focus, church, is Jesus and walking with him 24-7. And when you slip off the path, confess it, agree with God, repent, turn back, and get in the way before you get so many bruises you can't see straight. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us, that you care for us. That, Lord, if we walk with you, Lord, we don't avoid pain because this life is full of pain. Uh, We don't avoid problems because this world is problematic. But, Lord, we do walk in joy and peace, and we save ourselves a lot of pain that we would have also had if we hadn't walked with you. Lord, help us today to do what we'll be glad we've done when we stand before you. God, as we draw near to you in communion, remembering your death and burial and resurrection for us, Lord, speak to our hearts. Get us focused in the right direction as we draw near to you. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake and for his glory and honor. And Lord, be glorified as we worship you together with this communion. Thank you.